Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company, and I hope you'll visit the website johnsonsairconditioning.com also brought to you by Naples Illustrated bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles the website is naplesillustrated.com we have terrific guests for today's show including Kathleen Pasadomo she's our state senator See if we can get some insight into what's happening in the mind of our governor in terms of opening up the state of Florida. We'll visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. And Phil Kirpin is the president of uh, American Commitment. We'll be talking about the new committee that he's formed, a committee to unleash prosperity. It is May the 12th, and on this day in 1949, an early crisis of the Cold War came to an end when the Soviet Union lifted its 11-month blockade against West Berlin. The blockade had been broken by a massive U.S.-British airlift of vital supplies to West Berlin's 2 million citizens. It was an amazing event. In fact, uh, over 243,000 uh, was it uh, 278,000 relief missions? That's one per minute, just about over the next 14 months, resulting in a delivery of 2,000, 2,326,406 tons of supplies. You can imagine that. Uh, they cut off all power to the West uh, Berlin. Coal accounted for over two thirds of the material delivered. In the opposite direction, return flights transported West Berlin's industrial exports to the West. Flights were made around the clock. In the height of the Berlin airlift in 1949, planes were landing in the city every minute. Tensions were high among the, uh, during the airlift. And three groups of U.S. strategic bombers were sent as reinforcements to Britain while the Soviet Union presence in the eastern Berlin increased dramatically. Well, this is the beginning of the Cold War, of course, and it ended in 1961 uh, when uh, the Berlin Wall was taken down. Soviet unions uh, uh, started to crush, fall apart, and of course, you know the rest of the story. All that they ended uh, on this day, 1949. I'm sorry, uh, was it 1949? Uh, 19... It was, uh, let's see, 1949, yes, the, uh, the airlift ended, and uh, the Cold War really began around that time. Well, COVID-19 cases in Cairo have increased to 766. Death toll has climbed to 28. I think that's an addition of one since the last report. 300, uh, 137 people in Cuyahoga County have been hospitalized. Uh, we don't know how many have been released, but a lot of them. More businesses are opening, even the Naples Beach Hotel with limited amenities. Well, you, there's a complete list of uh, businesses that have opened. I'm not sure it's complete, but a, a sampling of the list of, of businesses that have opened, even a couple that have closed. Uh, question I have is when will the rich properties be open? It would be great to see them getting back to business as well. The Florida Department of Health added 386 new cases of COVID-19 Monday, the smallest daily increase since April the 29th, bringing the total number to 40,982, according to the latest report. The state recorded 14 new deaths for a total of 1,735 deaths. Six new deaths were announced Sunday, the smallest daily increase in the number of deaths since March 29th. That's good news. And then on the Georgia front, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp announced Saturday that the state had the lowest number of hospitalized coronavirus patients since it's seen uh, just over a month, encouraging news from other governors to take similar action. Now, right now, the news is that in some countries like South Korea, they're beginning to see a new spike now that they've opened up a new spike of, of uh, coronavirus uh, cases. About one-third of all coronavirus cases in the U.S. are residents of, or workers in nursing homes and other long-term care facilities. So that seems to me to be the place where we focus our efforts, uh, which, of course, the uh, governor right now is doing. President Donald Trump announced Monday an additional $11 billion in aid to U.S. states, territories, and tribal uh, governments to support additional COVID-19 testing. The money was authorized by the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security. 
So now the president is saying anybody who wants to get tested can get tested in any state in the union, in any territory. So uh, the reporters, of course, are saying, trying to move the goalposts and basically saying, how you, can you open the economy when we're still having deaths and so forth? Again, beating the uh, progressive drum against President Donald Trump. Many of the coronavirus pandemic layoffs will become permanent job losses, according to a new study with alarming implications for the future of the economy. 42% of workers experiencing recent layoffs will suffer permanent job losses, according to a paper circulated by the National Bureau of Economic Research. Last week, President Trump vowed that the job losses will be temporary, promising a phenomenal year in 2021 following a hopeful recovery from the public, for the, uh, from the public health crisis. Top White House uh, economic advisor Larry Kudlow also said it's a positive sign that most job losses were perceived as temporary. Kudlow said he believes the layoffs will only be suffered for a few more weeks to a month. I think if it goes beyond that, I don't know. We're already seeing signs that, for example, Hertz is saying that they may not be able to stay open. That's big rent-a-car business. That's unbelievable. They just moved down here a couple of years ago. So... uh, And there's others. So how long can they hang on? We need to get the economy open, in my opinion. Uh, The resistance, of course, coming from the left and from the mainstream media. A Michigan judge has denied a motion made by Governor Gretchen Whitmer's administration that uh, an Oswaso, Oswaso, I guess it is, barbershop, closed up shop during the coronavirus uh, outbreak. Great Lakes News was outside Carl Mankey's Barber and Beauty Shop on Monday. When the ruling came down, reporter Katie Hyde said the judge denied the state's claim that the 77-year-old Mankey could close his shop uh, to close his shop because he was allegedly in violation of Whitmer's stay-at-home order. This is not only a big victory for Mr. Mankey, but also for other small businesses, she said. Well, who else is always going to open their doors? Mankey said he fielded several calls from other barbers about what to do. He says you have to have courage. And uh, now this uh, Whitmer's uh, order is being not only upheld, not upheld by the judges, but also many sheriffs in Michigan as well. Uh, American League or Major League Baseball owners gave the go-ahead Monday to make a proposal to the Players Union that they could lead to the coronavirus-delayed season starting around the 4th of July at ballpark, in ballparks without fans, a plan that envisioned expanding the designated hitter to the National League for 2020. Spring training could start as early as mid-June, a person familiar with the decision uh, said. The uh, person spoke on the condition of anonymity, of course. Uh, Major League Baseball officials are slated to make a presentation to the union Tuesday. An agreement with the Players Association is needed, and talks are expected to be difficult, especially over a proposal for a revenue split that would be unprecedented for baseball. Players withstood a seven-and-a-half-month strike in 1994 and 95 to fight off such a plan. Each team would play about 82 regular season games. That's about half of the regular season against opponents in uh, its own division plus interleague matchups. So I I don't know how this is going to go. Again, it's all about money in the end, isn't it? We'll see. Anyhow, it'd be great to see baseball back around uh, the 4th of July. Now, could this be a canary in the coal mine? With a just-completed 1892 poll showing Republican Mike Garcia with a small but solid lead in the special U.S. House election Tuesday in California's 25th district, national uh, Democrats are clearly in a panic. On Tuesday morning, no less a Democrat than Nancy Pelosi sent out a final appeal acknowledging that the Democratic Assemblywoman Christy Smith is neck-and-neck with Trump's Republican Garcia in the polls. Uh, Pelosi emailed uh, reliable Democrat contributors calling on them to help Democrats protect and expand our majority nationwide. According to the 1892 first-time candidate and former U.S. Navy pilot Garcia Lee Smith among likely voters district-wide with 43 to 39 percent in the polls. Much of Garcia's appeal to Los Angeles County District, the survey found, is based on his background as a fighter pilot. Among those that know he was a fighter pilot and served in the military, he leads 69 to 26 percent. Sensing a win, Republicans in and outside the 25th District have been queuing up 
to volunteer for Garcia in the twilight hours of the race. All of the volunteers for the Orange County Supervisor Michelle Steele's campaign for Congress from Orange County-based 48th District have been calling voters to turn out since Friday. So, again, is it a canary in the coal mine? It would be great to see the Republicans get a seat in California. And, of course, Democrats are just losing their minds about both about the DOJ dropping the charges against General Michael Flynn and with all the new information and documents coming out showing both Obama officials who lied about Russia collusion and the involvement of Barack Obama in the Flynn case. On top of that, Barr made it very clear again that U.S. Attorney John Durham was looking at, into the actions of the Flynn case and the whole pattern of conduct behind the Russia collusion investigation. How panicked are they? Well, they're pretty darn panicked. House Judiciary Committee Democrats are now trying to take, take out General Barr with a letter to the Inspector General and claiming that the DOJ's decision to drop the case against Flynn is somehow improper or political. Imagine the other gall of that, utter gall of that. Barr's office unraveling the utterly slimy actions of the Obama administration is political, but Obama's official actions apparently are not. This is from the party that employed James Comey, Loretta Lynch, Eric Holder, and those paragons of nonpartisanship. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Let's forget about the fact that Holder was held in contempt of Congress and called Obama his wingman. Take, uh, <clears throat> talk about partisanship. They are literally targeting AG, the Attorney General, because they don't like his investigation. They're afraid he's getting too close to their guys. They are guilty of the very things for which they accuse others. It's amazing to see the mainstream media saying, why are other press outlets and media outlets talking about this Flint case when we should be talking about the coronavirus? It's unbelievable stuff. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. Okay, coming up, we're going to visit with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator, that and more, right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards with six full productions this season. But did you know that Gulf Shore Playhouse brings unique theater education programs and opportunities for children, teens, and adults alike? Education is a vital component of Gulf Shore Playhouse's mission, providing programs aimed at enriching the lives of our children, teens, and students of all ages. Each offering provides real-life skills and learning experiences that are invigorating, nurturing, and readily accessible to every member of our community, thanks to the scholarships and reduced-price programming for our region's most deserving students. From in-school residencies and pre-professional theater training to community partnerships, audience engagement, and student matinees. The goal is to inspire creativity, encourage self-expression, and support the blossoming of self-confidence, collaboration, and a deep appreciation for the arts. With each passing year, Gulf Shore Playhouse continues to touch the lives of tens of thousands of students throughout Southwest Florida. Isn't it time that a young person in your life finds out more? For more information about student camps and the Teen Conservatory, visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. 
Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And, of course, season tickets are available now. You can go to the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Phil Kirpin, the president of American Commitment. Right now we have with us Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. So, big question on my mind is what is going on in the governor's mind now in terms of opening up uh, the Florida economy? Do you have any insight at all? Well, I, you know, I, I talk regularly to his um, uh, staff. Uh, you know, I have not actually, I have not spoken to him since uh, the pandemic began, which is fine. I mean, my, the president and the speaker uh, speak with him daily and then share the information um, with us. Um, he's He's doing a phased-in approach, uh, slowly, uh, and he gets the data constantly. Um, and, of, of course, the number one priority is to keep Floridians safe, but at the same time uh, to jumpstart the economy, which is uh, getting worse and worse, uh, particularly with the, you know, the numbers, almost 2 million people out of work. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I think he's doing a really good job in that regard. I, I think... You definitely have to balance health concerns with the economy and opening up in the phased manner. Um, you know, first of all, having the essential businesses continue to operate, and that's been good, and then expanding with the restaurants and retail. Um, and then this this week with the uh, hair salons and nail salons, which I will tell you, no matter what opinion anyone has about this crisis, that was the number one priority that we got from constituents yeah. in terms of what we opened up, hair salons and nail salons. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But, you know, that's kind of uh, that's indicative, I think, of... Uh, I think, to, quite frankly, we should just open the economy because we. I know that people will be hesitant to go to restaurants and hesitant to go to other places of business. They will make their own decisions in their own due time. So I think the faster the governor makes the decision to open up, the better off we're all being. Because some of these businesses are just, they're not going to open. I mean, uh, uh, there was a, a paper that said that 42% of the business that uh, small businesses will close if we don't open the economy soon. Well, yeah, the, particularly some of the retail yeah. um, and the and in the restaurants, and I, I think I, I, it, it's, it's you have to weigh weigh the the two different sides. I, I hear both sides, and I if I I would not want to be the governor for all the tea in China right now yeah. because it to to weigh the, to balance the um, interests of those people who are concerned with the economy is very difficult. Uh, we saw what happened on the beaches in Naples over um, on Saturday. You know, I live in um, Auckland Shore, so I had to drive down 3rd Street in that area on Saturday. I have never seen so many cars parked everywhere. And I drove very slow because I was curious where these people come from. And I'd say um, maybe 9 out of every 10 cars that were parked were from uh, the East Coast. Wow. At, which is still in a lockdown. Yeah. So here's my question. If, they're, if they came over here, uh, obviously they're in a lockdown. Their beaches are closed, and we have these beautiful, wonderful beaches. So having them all on our beaches, they're coming from an area of lockdown. Will that affect Neapol, that 10th car, the 10th family on the beach that were coming from Collier County? Yeah. That's the million-dollar question that that nobody has an answer to. So did I read correctly that the city council is now reopened after closing for just a couple of days? They're under limited conditions of some sort to reopen the beaches? Yeah, I did. I, I watched the entire council meeting yesterday, hmm. uh, and they, they, they struggled with it because they had, a, they had a lot of opinions on both sides. And I think what they ultimately ended up with having a... They called it a bifurcated opening, which is uh, from, I think, 7 in the morning till 10, and then uh, 5 p.m. to uh, sunset, um, and for, you know, n no beach chairs, uh, I think, uh, no umbrellas, no tents, that kind of thing, no grills, which you couldn't have anyway, but people had grills mm. uh, on Saturday. So, I, I, and... and um, uh, 
there was the discussion at one point was, well, we should keep the beaches completely open during the week um, and then just do the bifurcate on the weekend. But that uh, a couple of council members were concerned about that because they felt uh, that the, the same thing could happen on a weekday that happened last Saturday. Yeah. Um, and there was a caveat, I believe, that if Broward County opened their beaches, that they would, you know, go go back to uh, uh, open all, t- all full time. I believe. Well, it's reassuring Which, that the uh, the city council is uh, has a propensity or wants to open, but for the uh, threat of people coming over from the East Coast to bring us the uh, the coronavirus. So, I think that's a pretty wise decision. What do you think? Yeah, and and here's the here's the the problem. We in Collier County, and, and you and I talked about this, the social distancing and personal responsibility that is part of our conservative values is uh, something that we in Collier County have have uh, lived with now since March. Mm-hmm. Um, people do care and are uh, following the, the CDC guidelines. For whatever reason, that was not has not been the case in other jurisdictions. And mm. so... Um, and it and it was very clearly shown over the weekend when there was there were uh, groups of twenty or thirty people um, um, on the beach with tents and you know creating little mini mini structures, totally in violation of the CDC guidelines. Uh, I don't; those people were not Neapolitans or yeah. from Collier County. Um, and I have nothing against the East Coast. It's just a different philosophy. That's so interesting, Kathleen. Well, you know, with all the focus on coronavirus and what and opening up our economy, uh, uh, I, I haven't. Have all the bills been signed by the governor? Where do we stand with regard to the uh, to the budget? That's that's a whole different thing, too. the uh, The budget that the legislature passed is still in limbo. The mm-hmm. governor. Uh, has not uh, signed it um, or uh, vetoed many spending items, which I assume he will do. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so that's hanging out there. Uh, that budget would would begin August first. So something's got to occur. Yeah. The second thing is that um, I think probably only about a half a dozen bills have been signed, maybe a dozen, and there are two hundred of them sitting there for the governor's review. Um, that may not be as urgent, uh, but they are still out there. And until and there's a lot of uh, logistical things. Until the bills are signed, we can't create the statute books for 2020. And we and without the 2020 statute books being created, we can't file bills for 2021. So you know, there's those little things. There's so many items that are different than we've ever had that we have to consider. Yeah, so interesting. What's the deadline for those bills to be signed? Is it uh, is there one? Not really. They it's from uh, either he signs them within a certain period of time. I think it's like fourteen days or something like that after receiving them. But he asks not to receive them because he doesn't have time to review them. So they're sitting in limbo between the legislature and the governor's <laughs> office, which you know is is fine. We agreed to that. Yeah. Um, at some point, he will. At some point, I feel like calling and say, "Hey, I have a guardianship bill in there. Could you please?" <laughs> Have somebody look at it and tell you what you're going to do with it. Yeah. And I'm sure all the other legislators feel the same way. So interesting. Kathleen Pasadomo, again, our state senator. Genuinely appreciate you taking time to be on the show with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Kathleen. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo. A little change of direction. We'll find out what's on Boo's mind. Boo Mortensen, we're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere then 
includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly uh, serve on their board, doing great things to help people get off welfare and back to work. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Boo Mortensen. It's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo, how you doing? Well, you know, I'm doing beautifully, and I think so many people that live down here in paradise feel the same way that, you know, we're getting through it, but aren't we lucky to be getting through it being in Naples? Isn't that the case? Now, I know that uh, your home base is uh, Madison, Wisconsin. The news I'm hearing up there, it's not, uh, first of all, in terms of the weather, but second of all, in terms of the shutdown and so forth. What's your motivation to get back there? I don't know. I think my husband has motivated me, not so much. I don't have any motivation. It snowed there on Sunday, yeah. which is never a good thing, and uh, seeing that we're in May. And uh, our governor is just being, oh, he's just terrible. He's like, what's going on? I think he's in collusion with the governor from Illinois, Michigan, and Minnesota, and they're just like, nope. The parks are not open. Huh. Uh, they did say that now retail stores can open, hmm. but only five people can go in. Well, what does that do? Yeah. I mean, that's just goofy. They haven't opened any restaurants. No, they're very, very, they're still in a tight lockdown mode, unlike Naples. And I have to tell you, I was out on the beach on Sunday mm. and Saturday not Sunday, on Saturday, never, ever in 20 years of being down here have I seen the beaches so jammed. And I thought, this is crazy. Is that right? Never, never. It went down from, let's say, the Ritz way um, uh, way past the Turtle Cup, way, way, way beyond that. There was not a square of unused sand no wonder they closed it. Yeah, and uh, well, I just talked to uh, Kathleen Pasadoma, our state senator, and she said that most of the people are from the East Coast, so uh, I think it makes sense to open the beaches with limited provisions, although Naples is doing that. I think Collier County hasn't put any restrictions at all, and I, we're you know part of Collier County. Well, I think they have time restrictions. Uh-huh. You know, it's open on on Monday through Friday. On Saturday, it's open from 7 to noon, uh-huh. and then... Five to sunset, which is goofy to me, but <laughs> okay. But but you know, at this point, who cares? Now, this is the question I have. Mm. You know, they're telling everyone to wear masks, everyone to wear gloves, everybody to be social distancing. Mm-hmm. Yet, all these press conferences. Do you see anybody wearing a mask before two days ago? 
No, I didn't. But, you know, there was a case, I guess there is a case, uh, the uh, assistant to uh, Vice President Mike Pence in the White House. So now this is a big deal. Well, you know, <laughs> I listened to the press conference yesterday afternoon and one of the questions, you know, if if you can't even, here you are in the White House, if you can't <laughs> protect the White House, why should we open up the rest of the economy? You know, these people are just bizarre. They just do not, they, they don't want him to be successful. That's That's my opinion. Well, I think that's part of it, but you know, you lead by example too. Mm-hmm. And those pe- those press conferences, they should have said, "Hey, look, we want people to wear masks. Everybody that's in the press conference is going to wear a mask." Mm-hmm. I I think they should have done that, but so no. Uh, my 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 question though is that there is a line of thinking, scientifically uh, speaking, that uh, masks are unhealthy. Well. You know, who knows? Yeah. I don't I don't know. I've gotten to the point and I always thought this mask thing was kinda lame and I just didn't feel comfortable wearing it. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, now if I go into a grocery store, I go into a drug store, I I don't want people coming up to me and saying, Why aren't you wearing a mask? Yeah, but that, is I'm that your... I'm going to be called out, so I wear one now. So that's your your motivation is basically... You know, yeah, I don't want to be harassed. Yeah, harassed. So, uh, but uh, that has nothing, of course, to do with your health. Maybe your mental health, but certainly not your physical health. You know, my personal belief is if you take care of your... All of us, we have infections coming our way every day, bombarded by them, virus and other things. If we have a healthy immune system, we fight them off. That's what happens. Sometimes we get compromised and uh, we get ill colds and so forth and i think this virus is exactly the same way it's way overdone in my opinion boo well i i have a tendency to to agree with you i i think that that's true Mm -hmm. i you know look at the damage that's being done to people that should be going to the doctors and aren't because they just want to stay away from the hospitals there's a lot of repercussions to all of this that i think we can't even begin to imagine right it, it sounds like this catastrophe is going to continue and I'll, I'll, listen, mark cuban the guy that owns some big sports team and he's dallas on, mavericks uh, shark tank yeah he sent in a squad of secret shoppers mm-hmm. to various malls that partially opened in the state of texas 90 97 percent of the malls that had opened, the stores that had opened, were not in compliance with what you have to do to um, to, to be open. Mm. So what, what's the takeaway from that? I, you know, I don't know. Is this is just, just one big gong show? Yeah, yeah. I I, 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 I'm not familiar with the requirements in Texas to open and what you know what those requirements are. Uh, but well, you have to have people six feet back. You know, you have to, I don't know, whatever. You have to use Perel when you walk in. I don't know. Maybe you have to wear a mask. I don't know. But whatever the guidelines are. Well, you know, here in, in, in uh, Cuyahoga County, the Costco store uh, requires that you wear a mask when you go in there. And they actually have masks that they give you if, if uh, you don't have one with you. So. Uh, yes. I mean, and, I, and I agree they have the right to do that. It's a private business. Why, you know, in a private business, you can make your own requirements. But uh, and I think, quite frankly, in government uh, uh, facilities, like the county government, they have the right to make the demands on what people can do. But why not just leave it up to individuals to make their own decisions? You know, people that are concerned about their health are going to stay away. Those that feel confident that they're going to be okay can go out and do their business and, t- and go to work and so forth. Do you think that everyone's just getting spooked by this stuff? Oh, I think so. Well, I'm I'm spooked. The the big thing on my mind is, you know, obviously we have to protect people who have compromised immune systems, people in facilities, long-term care facilities and nursing homes and so forth. But uh, I'm concerned about the economy. I'm concerned about yeah. jobs going away. I'm concerned a pro- prolonged recession leading to depression. It could happen if we don't get our senses back and get back to work. I agree. Yeah, and it's uh, it's not happening very quickly, is it? No, it isn't, Boo. Uh, you know, we we're going to talk about something else. I forgot what it is. Oh, I'll tell you, this is this is a real as if everything isn't bad enough. So now they say you are officially you officially become old at guess what age? Eighty. Ha! <laughs> Don't we wish? 
57. Oh, my goodness. You know, I, I read uh, somewhere that the old is considered starting at age 65. Uh, then That's young old. Then medium old is 75 to 85. And old old is 85 up. So the well, what's with this fifty-seven? And uh, it says it doesn't matter how old or how you feel internally. It has to do with just general declining health, wrinkles, gray hair, weight gain, and being viewed as old. Do we, we need this aggravation? No, you know what, Boo? Fifty-seven is young. Abe, from our point of view, darn young. <laughs> Close to being like forty. Well, you know, you just made my day, Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely appreciate your coming on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay positive. You as well. Thanks, Boo. Always an entertaining uh, conversation with Boo. A little little lighter than the other things that we talk about. Okay, we're going to visit with Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road, and it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by St. Matthew's House. Just heard the commercial. I hope you'll support them. Their businesses are now open. You not only can support them by making a donation, but also by uh, patronizing their businesses. And you can find out more by going to the website stmatthewshouse.org, stmatthewshouse.org. Again, helping out the less fortunate here on the Paradise Coast. Coming up, we're going to visit with Phil Kirpin. He is the president of American Commitment. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and speaking of Phil Kirpin, he's a, he's a good man. I respect him tremendously. Uh, I agree, and he speaks highly of you as well, Seton. So you've got this column, Marketing is Important for Bad Politicians, Bad Virus Policy, and Good Legislation. I really appreciated the commentary. Tell us about it. Yeah, well... Selling stuff, you know, especially now in the, in the tele, you know, television age, I didn't mention this in the piece, but I just thought of it. Going back to 1960, uh, the debate between John F. Kennedy, the young, allegedly good-looking, um, I never understood that. I, I certainly didn't understand Jackie Onassis either, but, um, you know, I, I never got it. I thought she looked like a fish. But anyway, um, you know, it's John Kennedy versus Richard Nixon in the debate. The people who listened to the debate thought Nixon kicked Kennedy's keister. The people who watched the debate thought Kennedy won. Yeah. Because Kennedy was a good-looking guy, 
and Richard Nixon always looked like he, he hadn't shaved in two days, and he sweated profusely on television, yeah. and it was, a, it was a visual thing. It was a uh, style versus substance thing. And, of course, marketing is always a, an important component of anything, including politics, right. especially now in the, age of, uh, in the age of stupidity in which we live. Um, Barack Obama never would have existed as president were it not for uh, big media marketing the living daylight out of him. He was an inexperienced, uh, un- un- unintelligent, uh, radical hack. And he was marketed as the second coming of John Kennedy and, you know, this, this new third way, uh, you know, the, the, the bridge to, for America to reconcile its racist past and all that. And, and the marketing continues to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, they, you know we, we, we've now found out definitively with documentation that Obama led a coup against Trump. Right. We know this now. This is true. But the media won't tell um, the Americans about it. Um, so you have to go out of your way beyond big media to find this out. Um, See, and it goes and further than that. It, you know, not only do they not report it, what they do report is the fact that the Attorney General should be ousted from office and uh, complaints right. about that, that this injustice that's being done, including President Obama making those same claims. And, 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 and all, you know, and again, this is, this is more and more Democrats sticking their fingers in, in the increasingly sized hole in the dike. Yeah. Um, as this becomes more obvious, Mike Flynn is a relative non... I mean, don't get me wrong, uh, what, what was done to him was an abomination, and about two dozen people should be in prison for it. But he, he, relative to the, to the bigger picture, he's a small fish, and they're all freaking out about a simple uh, you know, withdrawal of prosecution on a stupid process crime uh, lying to the FBI. Um, they're all freaking out because it represent, of what it represents. It mm-hmm. represents, hopefully, a continued evolution towards justice and away from the criminology of justice that the Obama administration um, had, had perpetrated for, for so long. Um, you see it with the, with the virus policy. You know, America, the American people were conned into buying a titanically stupid uh, shutdown. Mm-hmm. There, there were, the, the, the policy should have been... We're going to keep things open. We're going to keep the status quo. We're going to do what we've always done within these circumstances, unless and until we have data, not computer models, but data that says, hey, we should shut some things down. Mm -hmm. We never did that. We jumped right to this, never before tried in the history of viruses, hey, keep the healthy people home, which is is antithetical to everything we know about virology and, and viruses and dealing with them. And now we've murdered a $22 trillion economy and 34 million people have lost their jobs. And that's all because the media marketed the, the pro-shutdown position and assaulted anyone who thought, well, gee, maybe, uh, maybe we should have done this or maybe we should you know, start to end this or any of that gets shut down. You see it on YouTube, you see it on uh, Facebook, you see it in the, in, the, in, the, in the regular traditional news media over and over and over again. Absolutely. And, and of course, it, it, all, it all started also with, uh, of course, uh, the... the uh the president saying, well, you know what, we obviously have a concern here. Let's find out what the CDC thinks. <laughs> and, right, right. And, and they're, they're, the CDC, I mean, if there's any organization in the United States government not to trust, I would say it's the CDC. Well, their track record is atrocious. Yeah. And even Dr. Burks came out, you know, it, was, it didn't even come out, she, it was leaked out. She says, I can't trust any numbers I get from the CDC. Exactly right. And, <laughs> and you know, last week. And, and now they're pushing uh, election officials around the country to encourage mail-in uh, methods of voting. I mean, they're, they're so politicized, it's unbelievable. I lived in Travis County, Texas, which is Austin, Texas. My joke was, Austin is nice because it's so close to Texas. I ran a <laughs> county judge race. They had some mail-in ballots, and I, I actually saw Democrat officials going into dumpsters behind apartment complexes on the poor side of town. Uh. Collecting ballots out of the dumpsters and and you know submitting them themselves. Um, it's 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 the the only thing. Well, I think I think it's the most. It's it's worse for fraud 
than internet voting. Yeah. Uh, it's it's close, but it's worse. Right. Um, because it's, it's physical, therefore it's easier to access. Well, let me make this uh, comment, uh, Seton. Uh, uh, we have an outs Jennifer Edwards is our uh, supervisor of elections here in Collier County. We don't have any problems with fraud, and we do have mail-in ballots. I think the key is if, if somebody gets in a position where they want to tilt the scales in the election, like they happen in Palm Beach County and other places in Florida, uh, if, whether you have mail-in ballots, secret ballots, doesn't matter what it is, they got to figure out some way to... Uh, to abort well, the election. No, I, I think I think there should be some citizenly duty involved in voting, mm -hmm. and that includes you know taking an hour out of your day on a Tuesday and going and voting. If you're in the military and you're in Kuwait on on assignment, okay, we can mail in a ballot. But you know, if you're a regular citizen doing regular things. In the course of your day, you, you know, in the course of your life, you could take some time out of it to go and, and cast a ballot. Uh, I, I don't think that's asking too much. Well, here's, 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 here's the counterpoint to that. Usually the ballot has, of course, the president and people who are running for uh, elected office, but you have a whole bunch of things, especially here in Florida, on the constitutional amendments, things that I don't understand when I first get the ballot. Well, then leave it blank. Well, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do my own research when I have my ballot here. No, I'm saying if you walk into if you walk, I'm saying if you walk into the ballot booth, yeah, voting booth, and you don't know what the hell something is, leave it blank. Yeah. No. What I'm I saying mean, is, I, I want I'll be able I want to be able to express my opinion through my vote by voting the way that it's appropriate based on my values. And to do that, I need to do research. That's that's how that's why I so like to vote. Uh, that's uh, again. That's uh, that's that's another part of the civil civic duty like yeah. going to the polling place on election day yeah well i don't and, want to pull so, i don't want to pull you off your point i'm afraid i have <laughs> well no, well, no. And, you know and of course you and i have talked about data protection right, the right. digital data protection but for some reason it's been when, it, when we talk about legislation for it it's, it's transmogrified into privacy legislation i think that's bad marketing yeah I think if we said digital data protection legislation, people would understand what it is and care about it more than they currently do. Yeah. And, you know, we're 25 years into the private sector Internet, and we have zero legislation on privacy, whether it's to protect us from the government or protect us from big tech or, as we've seen and we've discussed, the, the harmonic convergence of big tech and big government, where big tech collects the data and then shares it with uh, government. And this so, is such a key point, Seton. I, I, you know what? We, we're out of time, and I just genuinely yeah. appreciate So let's let's pick this up on Thursday. We'll have you back on the show because it's such an important point. Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. Visit lessgovernment.org, lessgovernment.org. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. 
You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. You can get tickets now by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Phil Kirpin, as I mentioned before the break. He is the president of American Commitment and also a member of a very esteemed, high-esteemed committee. It's called the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. Phil, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Bob. My pleasure. So, Phil, uh, let's uh, let's pick up with uh, the committee to unleash prosperity. What's it all? What's it all about? Well, this is uh, this is the organization uh, that was founded by uh, four. Phil, are you there? I think I just lost you, Phil. Maybe you hit mute. Can you hear me? So, I think I lost Phil uh, Phil Kirpin. And uh, so we'll just terminate the interview right now and continue our conversation about what's happening in the world. And uh, this news is disturbing. The Communist uh, Chinese Communist Party forced the World Health Organization, or WHO, to refrain from notifying the world about the human-to-human transmission of the novel coronavirus, causing a four- to six-week delay in fighting the virus, according to Germany's federal intelligence agencies. Here, the report concludes not only did the CCP, or the uh, Communist Party, the Chinese Communist Party, botch its own coronavirus response, now this is from the Germans, silencing doctors who alerted co-workers about the virus, but a calculated cover-up impaired by the ability of other governments to respond accurately, costing thousands of lives and taking an immeasurable economic toll. It proves that holding the CCP accountable for coronavirus is not merely a talking point. It's a justified response to the virus it spawned, spread, and lied about. Uh, this is a, just a very concerning. And, of course, there's con- some uh, discussions about financial repercussions against the Chinese Communist Party. The fact of the matter is that we're now three going on $6 trillion in debt, in more debt, than we were when we started this whole debacle, and it's because of their decisions and how they really guarded information. By the way, with the cooperation of the World Health Organization, which is another whole story in and of itself. Now, on Wednesday, the national debt soared above $25 trillion as Congress continues to approve massive spending projects to alleviate consequences resulting from the coronavirus pandemic. House Democrats are also considering another $1 trillion measure to provide economic aid to states, hazard pay for frontline workers in coronavirus, and a bailout of the U.S. Postal Service, uh, Postal Service debt. Senate Republicans are starting to raise concerns about the Americans' massive coronavirus spending. Many are saying that they are encouraged to see states reopen their economy so that the borrowing from the federal government can slow down. Congress uh, should take unprecedented action to provide emergency relief from this economic devastation to tune of $3 trillion. And as we've seen, the relief can only go so far. In just five weeks, more than 30 million Americans have lost their jobs. Entire livelihoods have been shattered. Our deficit this year is projected to swell to nearly $4 trillion, an unprecedented level that we're borrowing from the generations to come, said Texas Republican Ted Cruz. We cannot simply spend our way out of the crisis. I'm encouraged to see states begin reopening and the economy region by region based on science and public health guidance. Moving forward, as we help American people safely return to work, my priority, and we're talking about Ted Cruz now, will be focused on helping the economy recover. We should start by continuing to waive every regulation that was waived during the crisis and begin to repeal most costly of the major regulations that have accumulated over the past decade. 
Regulatory relief, coupled with tax relief, will be critical to revitalizing our economy, Ted Cruz said. He's absolutely right about that. And uh, if nothing else has shown exactly what regulations kind of slow down the economy, it's like kind of like walking through saltwater taffy, we should get rid of regulations, especially those with regard to jobs. Hairdressers are not opening. Why? Because they're afraid they're going to lose their license. This licensing requirement is just unbelievable. My wife cut my hair because I was getting kind of shaggy. She did a darn good job. So it just makes me wonder why we don't open up the economy. Uh, not only the people that are currently working, but other get rid of some of the regulations that are preventing others from entering, entering the economy. Florida Republican Senator Rick Scott, her own Rick Scott, office pointed out that the U.S. is on track to end the year with an excess of $25 trillion in federal debt. I think he's low on that, and criticized Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, who has been doing much of the negotiating. Nancy Pelosi, here's a quote from uh, Rick Scott, our senator, former governor. Nancy Pelosi wants to bail out state budgets and pensions of poorly run states like New York, California, and Little Illinois. The state of Florida has followed sound fiscal policies for decades and is well positioned to handle the crisis without a bailout, Scott said. Senator Scott laid out his priorities in a uh, potential Phase 4 agreement, which include getting a handle on the federal deficit. This year's federal budget deficit will be the largest in the history of the nation, and Senator Scott has been clear that any additional agreement needs to take a concrete step to bring uh, spending under control. And he continued, Florida uh, Republican Senator Rick Scott's office pointed out that the U.S. is on track to end the year with $25 trillion in debt. So the federal government is not bailing out anyone, he said. As President Trump said, we are going to continue to take bold, aggressive action to help those impacted by the unforeseen enemy so we can emerge from this challenge stronger and with a prosperous and growing economy. And he's absolutely right about that. That the Senate has come back into session. They're talking about this. The president's laid out some things that he'd like to see. Well, Nancy Pelosi's come up with a $750 billion package that includes bailouts for the pension plans, bailouts for the states. New York has $13 billion in, in a deficit. What's the deficit in the Florida budget? It doesn't have a deficit. In fact, uh, last year ended with a $6 billion reserve. Thank goodness. And so that we're able to get through this whole thing. Uh, the House is coming back. Who knows? I guess uh, Nancy Pelosi is still eating chocolate ice cream from her freezer. And hopefully we'll reconvene the House of Representatives so they can be addressing some of these issues. I'm not so sure that the, this is going to get resolved because I think there's a lot of concern about the growing deficit and the appetite of the Democrats and progressives in order to bail out uh, states across the nation. By the way, one-third of Americans say they will not take a vaccine, even though the COVID-19 is expected to be around for years and kill more than 70,000 in the United States already, according to a new survey. So right now, everybody's saying we need a vaccine so we can open the economy. Well, then one-third of the Americans say they're not going to take the, uh, take the COVID-19 vaccine. By the way, that would include me. Among those least likely to take the vaccination are the young, aged 18 to 24. Young and healthy people generally are less affected by the disease, though complications have been reported among younger people at the disease has been more widely studied. So there you go. Uh, the vaccine, uh, people waiting for the vaccine. Well, after you get it, a third of the nation says they're not going to take it. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Always appreciate your comments. Uh, you can send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. I want to have Phil Kirpin back on the show. Maybe we can get him back next Tuesday morning. I don't know what happened, but I suspect that on a cell phone, he probably hit the mute button, and uh, that's why we didn't hear him. He's probably saying, Bob, Bob, can you hear me? Anyhow, we'll get Phil back. I, th I think this uh, Committee to Unleash Prosperity, it's an important movement, and they have important things to say. I hope you'll join us tomorrow. We're going to visit with Bob Levy. Bob is the chairman of the Cato Institute and a constitutional scholar. We'll continue our discussion about the question, uh, has the uh, United States Supreme Court subverted the uh, Constitution? Uh, and certainly there's a lot of evidence that we've, we've done that. We'll also visit with Andrew Joppa, professor at Mercy College and author Josephus of Oz. And we'll visit with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston. He's also the author of a new book, 
It's really such an interesting book. It's called Cyber Warfare, Targeting America, Our Infrastructure, and Our Future, among others. He's also written Scared Witless, The Prophets and Prophets of Climate Doom, calling out the fake science around uh, climate change. Anyhow, I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.